0: It's the way our body communicates our needs both biologically and psychologically you know for example if you have a full bladder you can feel that that's a that's a form of interceptive awareness if you're hungry or full but every emotion also has a physical sensation and so when we are connected to our body we have a powerful means of getting our, our needs met but when we are at war with our body when we loathe our body when we view our body as a project uh, we miss out on all of those um, on, on a lot of those types of connections connections
1: Welcome to Zestful Aging where I interview thoughtful, inspiring and influential guests who are creating their legacies and contributing to the common good. What exactly is a legacy? It's your fingerprint on the world, your way of making a special and unique contribution, big or small, and creating a legacy is one of the proven ways we can age with vibrance and energy. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our lovely music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Uh, Who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging find out more about her at JudyBanker.com I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now We're all unsettled and feel out of control So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist Um, just go to ZestfulAging.com and it is all yours Well, I've got my little loyal, tired, wet Jack Russell Sparky right by my side, so let's begin. Again, We have such a great interview for you today. If you followed me on my podcast or any of my work or website, you know I'm a big advocate of mindful eating and mindful everything. And I'm really honored to have these two trailblazers, actually rock stars of mindful eating on the mm. show. Evelyn Trivoli is an award-winning registered dietitian and was the nutrition expert for Good Morning America. We just interviewed Joan Long Lund- so there's a theme uh-huh. here and uh, national uh, spokesperson for the American Dietetic Association. And Elise Reich is a nutrition therapist with over 38 years of experience specializing in eating disorders. Intuitive Eating and Health at Every Size. And they have co authored the cutting edge book, Intuitive Eating, which was first published in 1995. And it's really become the go to book on rebuilding a healthy body image and making peace with food, and it was recently revised and re-released yesterday. So hot off the press, welcome to the program, Elise and Evelyn. Thank you. Thank you. you. Oh, so lovely to, to have you two with us today. So let's start with maybe the obvious question, which is what's new and improved? What have you done with intuitive eating?
2: you want to start with that, Louise? Sure. Sure. Um, well, first of all, uh, Evelyn is our uh, research guru, and she has revised the, um, the research chapter. We have over 125 uh, scientific studies validating intuitive eating as an evidence-based process, and so there's more information on that. There is uh, more information in the Bringing Up Kids and Teens chapter on baby-led weaning or baby-led solids, which is intuitive eating for babies essentially. Ah. And we put a big emphasis on um, teaching people to understand what diet culture is and, and the toxic effects of it and weight stigma and weight bias. Um, so that's a big piece of it. Evelyn, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah.
0: So one of the things Elise and I have also been really transparent in this, in this update is we really took a fine tooth comb and, and really looked at the manuscript and I have to tell you it was winsworthy. <laughs> to see our evolution, you know? And so we, I, I would like to say it's actually completely revised. We had discovered some weight centric statements, but we have, you know, when you, when you, when you know better, you do better. So we've learned and we've uh, evolved. So it's been a major, a major rewrite. And one of the things that we also did in there is more of a deep dive on some, uh, on how intuitive eating works in terms of interceptive awareness, which is our ability to perceive physical sensations that arise within the body. And it's, our superpower, and it's it's the way our body communicates our needs, both biologically and psychologically. You know, for example, if you have a full bladder, you can feel that. That's a that's a form of interceptive awareness. If you're hungry or full, but every emotion also has a physical sensation, and so when we are connected to our body, we have a powerful means of getting our our needs met. But when we are at war with our body, when we loathe our body, when we view our body as a project, uh, we miss out on all of those um, on. on a lot of those types of, of, of connections and invariably we end up missing out on life when people get very uh, focused on uh, some type of dieting and, and that's one thing Elise and I have seen a lot as well is that a lot of people don't even uh, relate anymore to the term dieting I, I've had patients come in and, and tell me about all these plans they've been on but but they don't view it as a diet and that's because diet culture has really shape-shifted and uses the the, the words of, of wellness and health mm-hmm. and they are even trying to co-opt you know, in in intuitive eating. So um,
1: that's right. You know, it's so interesting. I was at a discount, one of my favorite discount stores, and they actually have great books. And there was a book called Mindful Eating. And I thought, well, of course, I'm going to, you know, who is it? Do I know them? Have I interviewed them? Well, there wasn't an author, and it was actually a cook And I thought I think you might be missing the point here because mindful eating is about eating M&Ms as well as a kale salad. And so uh, do you think that's an example of just sort of using it as
0: a generic feel good term? Well, yeah, you know what? Let me, let me do this. Let's unpack this a little bit more because there's a really common misconception mm-hmm. that mindful eating and intuitive eating are the same thing, and they're not. They're very, very compatible, but there's actually a lot of differences, and it really matters on, on a scientific level. Okay. It matters on a process level because one of the, one of the differences is we have a, a, our first principle is to reject the diet mentality, and mm-hmm. diet culture is so all around us. It's like the water that we are, mm-hmm. are swimming in and so it can end up throwing you off off track and so one of the ways we'd like to describe this is, is intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework with with 10 principles that's been validated and it has a, an assessment tool and mindful eating is beautiful and lovely we need to harness the, the the skill or the tool of non-judgmental awareness which we use with intuitive eating which is at a core of of mindfulness itself but they're not they're not the same thing they're they they're quite different different, but the, it, mindful eating is also a beautiful model as well. How are they different? Well, okay, so first we have the reject the diet mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have uh, a lot of specific guidelines in terms of movement, in terms of honoring your feelings with Kindness in terms of even nutrition, honoring your health with gentle nutrition, which is the last principle of intuitive eating. And Mm -hmm. so, there's even been there was one study. There's two studies, one that's not published and one that is. And one looked at intuitive eating versus mindful eating in the in the prevention of of eating disorders. And what they found is that intuitive eating actually had significance there. And and my thinking is is because we have this overt challenge of rejecting the diet mentality. We also have you know, respecting the body. Our bodies are worthy of dignity and respect. It doesn't matter what size, what shape, what mm-hmm. gender, what race, and and so on. So it's 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 very very broad. So I, I view mindful eating as a very specific skill set. Intuitive mm-hmm. eating is is the framework. And so what I say is, you know, if you come from a mindfulness based practice, you're going to come into intuitive eating with a skill set that a lot of people don't have in terms of the non judgmental awareness. But mm-hmm. um, I've seen my Mindful eating also being co-opted by diet culture, so it's really, it's really frustrating, you
2: know? My, my image actually is kind of a Venn diagram where, okay. there, you know, where there are crossovers, of course, um, okay. because so much of, of intuitive eating is about staying present and mindful in order to really truly enjoy your food, get the most satisfaction out of it, notice your signals uh, through the interoceptive awareness, notice your hunger, your fullness, notice your emotions. And uh, so it doesn't, you know, they're certainly not separate, as Evelyn was saying, but the, and they do cross over, but they're not the same.
1: They're not the same. It sounds yeah. like if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but intuitive eating is a system that's been codified. You've got uh, it, it's a structure it's a program and it's got many many different uh, elements to it am I understanding that correctly
0: I would say so mm-hmm. and, and and then you know even with the word structure I would say more it's it's a framework or, or a guideline and okay. the reason'm I'm, I'm, I'm saying that mm-hmm. is because we've had people coming in from a, a dieting perspective and unwittingly mm-hmm. turn intuitive eating <laughs> principles into absolutes and rules and I know mm-hmm. that's not what you're saying I just want to uh, clarify that these yes. are these are guideposts to help you to self-connect and figure out what's the best for you. Okay. You are in charge. You're the expert of your body and of yes. your experiences, you know, and Elise yes. and I are just like tour guides
2: pointing some things yeah, out. Yeah, you're the Sherpas. <laughs> there
0: you go, the Sherpas, yeah, yeah, whatever so metaphor just, works, let's use it.
2: To so, speak to that, for example, is, you know, I'm sorry, I think I, I, I stepped in. It's just, no, just a quick ahead, thing. Is people talk about the um, hunger fullness diet. We see this all the time. That, they think that's what eating is so right there there's diet in the word and right there there's rules you know about uh, eating at a certain level of hunger stopping at a certain level of fullness without any um, gentleness to it without any sense of uh, looking at this as a process and not a you know an absolute so
1: okay okay helpful Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a product I've been using lately for aches and pains that's really helped me, and I've been singing it from the rooftops. Some of you may already have discovered the benefits of using CBD. I have found it to be a game changer for my creaky joints. I'm a tennis player, and I have three dogs, and being active is really important to me, and we know how important it is in aging well. But at age 59, my joints can be a bit stiff, uh, especially in my knees. And this stuff has really helped, so I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore, which really wasn't such a good look. I've done my research and it's very important to get the highest quality ingredients. There's a lot of junk on the market. So you have to make sure the product is tested by a third party lab at the very least. My favorite company is called Proze P-R-O-Z-E. And they have several products that are formulated for specific problems, including sleep and mental focus. Uh, lately, I've been using their performance gum called Yippies and the Nods, which helps me sleep and tastes very cinnamony. If you go to their website, pros.com, and enter the coupon code ZESTFUL, you're going to get 15% off. I highly recommend trying it out. I think you're really going to be surprised how effective it is, and I would love some feedback from you on how it works. Again, the website PROSE, P-R-O-Z-E dot Coupon code is ZESTFUL. Thank you. Now back to the show. Now, um, you know, we, uh, the three of us are, are have devoted our lives to some aspect of this. And I I guess what I'd like to do is back up a little bit. We have people actually listening in ninety-one countries now. Oh, I wow. think they have very different experiences of diets and dieting and 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 this. But can we describe
0: what non
1: judgmental awareness is just as a place to begin?
0: Sure. And so that's just noticing what's happening right now in in the present moment and what's really interesting with interceptive awareness the only way that that can work is being present right now it's the physical sensations that are happening in your body aren't things you're feeling in the past or, or feeling in the future they're happening right now and so what it what it's about is turning off that that narrator you know and, and, and it's one of the the toughest things I see it kind of it breaks my heart when, it, when people are coming in and judging their worth by the size of their body they're judging their morality by the kinds of foods that they eat Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things and so it's it's looking at this through the lens of of kindness and and self-compassion.
1: So let's let's get really pragmatic, if you don't mind. Um, so let's pretend that I'm a, a client that comes in um, uh, to talk to, to you, both of you, either of you. And I say, you know, I'm trying to learn this intuitive eating. Um, I don't really know how to do it. But right now I'm feeling, I'm aware that I'm hungry. And now I don't know what to do. What What are the steps that you lead people through? to help them understand themselves more and to help them choose non-diet kind
0: of uh, choices? Shall
2: I, well, shall it, I take that? Okay, okay, well, I was going to take okay. that one, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what, one of the things, and I, I, didn't, I know Elise, I won't speak for you, but I think you'll agree, one of the, the, at the hub of intuitive eating is satisfaction, and which is really a very personal and pleasure-based principle and so if somebody is is hungry and they're not sure what to do I would be looking at huh what sounds satisfying and how do you want to feel when you finish eating and it's really interesting the amount of uh, patients I've had even when I asked that question what sounds good or what sounds satisfying they really don't know I've had pra- patients breaking out into into tears mm. because they've been so focused on following the rules and the guidelines mm. of some plan it's been at the expense of getting to know themselves. And one of the things I like to, to stress in this is that, you know, hunger is actually a, a beautiful gift that lets us know that our body needs nourishment. And sometimes I've had patients freak out and panic because hunger has been so pathologized in our culture, in, in diet culture. And we can look at the many faces of hunger. You know, how would you, what, you know, what's the hedonic tone? Is, it, is, is, is your hunger pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? And if it's unpleasant, what are, what are those qualities? And is this the place that you like to start off with, with eating? I, and I would say a lot of people would say no to that, but I'm never going to fill in what their experience is. And so there's so many ways to go with this, even with such a, a basic question. And I'm sure Elise has more to add yeah. to, to what I just said.
2: Well, I think, first of all, I like to talk to clients about um, their feelings about having the right to have uh, satisfaction in their lives. Mm-hmm and uh, the right to have their needs met and satisfaction being one of them. And I have found as Evelyn has that when I begin with satisfaction, it, it really informs the other principles. So um, riffing on the um, on the hunger piece of it, I will often say to a client, would you walk into your?" favorite restaurant or on your way to your favorite restaurant, of course, now things are a little different, but would you mm-hmm. be eating a ch- peanut butter and jelly sandwich on your way there? And they'll look at me and invariably say, well, of course not. And I'll say, why? <laughs> <You know>? And <laughs> and they say, well, I wouldn't be hungry. I wouldn't enjoy it. And it just kind of puts them right in there when I say, yes, intuitively, you know that you're going to get more satisfaction if you're moderately hungry. And then I'll say, what about if you're just starving? You know What happens? Oh, gosh, I I can't even taste the food because I have to get so, you know, so much food in me. And they're in primal hunger and it's their survival part of their brain that's leading them to just take as much in as they can to survive. So it helps them have a lens of looking at hunger and fullness uh, through something that's very accessible and motivating for them. Mm -hmm, mm
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great example. So very concrete. I'm wondering if Uh, The two of you are finding that diet culture is being um, debunked in any way. Are are you seeing some positive movement at all, or are we still stuck in thin equals desirable slash healthy slash sexy, powerful, all that stuff?
0: It's a a really great question because I I, I, I can say yes to both of those. I'm seeing it. debunked. I'm seeing intuitive eating really rise in in popularity. Some people even call it um, a movement. And yet at the same time, what I'm also equally seeing is diet culture is getting more and more fierce. Uh, Many diet programs are now advertising themselves as we're not a diet, we use psychology, Mm, you know, and like Noom, for example. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if if it's having you count things, if it's having you disregard your, your hunger and, and and your satisfaction—that's a—that's a, that's a diet—and I find it really does a, a job on the minds of my patients when they when they feel like, oh my God, I, I can't even do this, and it's not a diet. I will like, say, well, actually, it was a diet. It was just <laughs> in sheep's clothing, you know. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. And so we have to be very uh, careful about what what it is that this program is 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 selling me. And I'll tell you one of the things I find fascinating. You know, I give a lot of talks, and I'll deconstruct. The science around weight and how there's a body of research that really shows that the pursuit of weight loss through eating less food and so on not only does it not work and it's not sustainable it actually causes harm harm in terms of more weight stigma harm in terms of increased risk of eating disorders anxiety and and so on and then for a great majority of people it also is associated with even more weight gain Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. it the problem is that I've what I have seen is that people just remember the initial high when they lost weight in the beginning and we're not disputing that that, that happens temporarily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then invariably the weight comes back and then the, the person thinks there's something wrong that that they did and it's like no it's it's diet culture and I think because diet culture is being so debunked that it's shape-shifting and calling itself other things like it's a lifestyle it's a wellness plan and all those kinds um... of things so it's it's sneaky and it's tricky and it's showing up in spaces I would I would never think think about, you know, I never thought I'd ever hear someone say, Oh, I'm doing a keto lifestyle. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that's a diet, my friend, that's a uh, diet, you know, but I do well, want
2: to put a positive note into to okay. what everyone's saying. And not okay. that I disagree, not that I disagree with one word of it. If we take a look at how many of our professionals are training to become certified intuitive eating counselors, every okay. day, uh, people are Uh, within our profession, shifting their thinking from the old dietetic way of, you know, giving out meal plans with exchanges from the, you know, diabetic exchange system and really understanding the value of intuitive eating. And they wouldn't be wanting to um, become certified if they weren't seeing a call for that in their populations. And that's all over the world. So that's the also, Yeah, I think there's that piece. I think the more of the um, scientific evidence that comes out is actually uh, making you know, give a case uh, for the validity of intuitive eating for some of the people in the medical community, which clearly need a lot of education, we're able to bring them science so that they can, you know, take in the fact that they're really doing damage uh, by telling their, their patients to lose weight. Yeah. And I think the amount of people that are excited and buying our books says they're they're tired of diet culture and I'm not discounting what Evelyn's saying no I completely agree with you.
0: completely agree
1: completely agree yeah Yeah. that's wonderful so I I don't want to put you too much on the spot but I'm really curious about this because I'm really I I, you know I talk a lot of people in the uh in the aging space Mm -hmm. and talk about you I'm sure you know that the rates of eating disorders uh, are are on the increase Renfrew is showing like a 35 percent increase in their inpatient population who are over 50. So this is a really uh, big issue for people who are perhaps postmenopause, their kids have launched. Could you talk a little bit about what you're seeing and what your beliefs are uh, for the challenges of women who are uh, sort of looking at the at the end of some of their primary roles in life, and are now finding workout culture and diet culture to be something to cling on to.
2: Well, I think that one okay. of the I think that one of the things that um, happens as we go through menopause, uh, our bodies change, and for so many women, they're having a really difficult emotional time with the concept of their bodies changing, with their aging, as you say, with their roles changing. So they're really ripe to grab on to diet culture and try to control something that they're feeling very out of, out of control about. So I understand why there's a rise in that and of course, you know, dieting leads to eating disorders as we're talking about. So I think that's a big piece of it. It gives them something to focus on when they're, you know, feeling lost, I think, mm-hmm. and, and unhappy with their bodies. And we really need to educate Uh, all people, of course, of all genders, uh, about the changes in our bodies as we go through a lifetime and that they're normal and they're natural, just like little girls going through puberty um, and and little boys too, actually. But for little girls who are about to get their first periods, they need to gain a good deal of weight, of fat on their bodies in order to make the hormones. And I don't think there's enough education around the fact that Bodies do change. We're not going to have, you know, the the same body we had when we were ten, you know, or eighteen mm-hmm. or whatever. So I think that's a piece of it. Evelyn, you had something you wanted to yeah. Say I was about just, this. I was just
0: going to add, you know, w- when you put those statistics in with with aging, and then you look at right now that the, the incidence of eating disorders has doubled in the last period in which it was looked at. A study was published last year, uh, looking at ninety studies from all over the world that eating disorders have have doubled, and I think. Think because dieting has become so normalized is that it's easier for people to hide um, with it it, it it doesn't stand out that oh I think there's there's an issue here that needs to get get looked at and and to also to build on what what Elise was saying you know with all of the uncertainty that you're describing with these life changes what's the you know the last third of my life going to be looking at um, dieting also from a psychological standpoint gives you a, a focus and a, and a certainty uh, except that it's a false, it's a false promise. Mm -hmm. And it's, it really becomes problematic. And what I look at is what's happening to the quality of your life when you're engaging in these kinds of things, what's happening to your relationships, because the more you keep focusing on the attempt of changing your body, you tend to get more preoccupied with it, thinking about it when you're going out with friends, as opposed to the actual conversations. And there's, there's a disconnect and an unhappiness that ends up happening with it. I always I say, too, to you get so this. boring, oh, you
1: know, yeah. nobody wants to know how many fat grams right. you didn't right. eat.
2: <laughs> but I, I'd like to approach this with compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, coming from, you know, I'm one of your aging people, and coming from, we all are. you know, right, but a little more aging than both of you, and i um, Coming from a place of where I certainly for me when I was programmed when I was in college to get married, have kids, and that was it. You know, I wasn't uh, programmed to have a career that would take me through the rest of my life. And so I think that we have to have some compassion for the shift in mentality you know, in the older population, as you're saying, maybe the younger population will will not face it quite the same when they're in their 50s and 60s and 70s. And really gently help people uh, find ways to have meaning in their lives and shift their focus from trying to control their bodies to really doing something that's meaningful. I have a client uh, who's in her late 70s who is training to, uh, you know, help people who are Uh, mentally ill or and who have addiction and, and it's giving her some meaning when she hasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. she was feeling very lost. She's a widow and and really didn't have a focus. So that's just uh, an added piece.
1: Is that something so you would approach people, let's say post 50, we'll say Mm -hmm. um, a little bit differently if they came in to you with, uh, you know, food obsession, diet, trouble we'll say, Um, do you think you would ask different kinds of questions to understand their experience as they are sort of post-middle age than if you had a
2: teenager? Um, Well yes certainly we talk to teens differently than we would talk to older people and I would help them take a look at, I like to do a lot of pro-con work, uh, have them really examine what it's doing for them to attempt Mm -hmm. these diets How is it, you know, what is it giving them? And then on the other side of the page, you know, what's this taking away from you, as Evelyn was saying, it takes away the quality of your life and the ability to connect with people and, you know, motivate them to get to a point where they are able to see that it's not working for them to uh, continue in this culture thinking. And get them to a place of being able to embrace intuitive eating. So uh, yes, very differently. And then also, as I just said, talking to them about finding ways to increase their self-care, increase their, um, the meaning in their life.
0: Absolutely. And, I, and I'd say that the commonality too is also just looking at what, what's the underlying need, what's what's driving this, you know, sometimes what's missing in life or what is it that they're trying to get that we can get through mm-hmm. through other kinds of means. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. people uh, get into dieting as a way of, of connection and, and social bonding, but there's other ways that we could be, be looking at that and then aligning it with their, their values and looking at how is this pursuit of dieting aligning with your values or maybe mis- misaligned. And so, what's really important is that the individual can really see this for themselves. You know, we're not whacking people on the head saying you got to do intuitive eating. <laughs> We, we say, you know, there's another way. There's another way that's incredibly, the word Elise and I hear a lot is, is life-changing, you know, because I think what happens is the more you diet and follow food plans, you keep losing a sense of, of trust. It's a trust disruptor. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon that crosses over and just kind of not trusting yourself in general. But with this healing, with intuitive eating, with this self-connection, it crosses over into other parts of, of, of your life. And it's really a beautiful thing to see over and over again. Mm-hmm. I remember I was uh, just
1: before you came on, uh, Evelyn, I was
0: talking to Elisa about uh, teaching
1: a mini course at Syracuse University at Michael oh. Eating and bringing the students to the, the um food hall the dining hall and watching them sort of struggle there's so many choices and they're just so bombarded and so much conflict should i shouldn't i you know all of this stuff and we you know we sat with them we we kind of helped them uh, check in with their hunger cues and that is the experience that uh many of them had and they shared with us like i've never done it this way before Mm. i just go in say, I'm going to eat this because I'm not eating carbs today or whatever, but to really see what looks good, see what smells good, see what's drawing you over. Um, Do you want something crunchy? Do you want something fresh, sweet, salty, all of that? Um, And so uh, I I can certainly appreciate what you're saying with this. It's such a different way of being in the world.
0: It is. And then when you start thinking about you know, eating is meant to be pleasurable, and it's also a way that we connect. and it, And it's sad when people pass up on social events and outings mm-hmm. because they're not sure if they can still follow their their food plan. You know, or and if their
1: bathrooms would allow them to, you know, go have privacy when they
2: have to purge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another whole conversation whole about yeah. eating
1: disorders, right? Yeah. yeah. Let me ask both of you because this is something that I've uh, really started to focus more on as I've been talking to guests and learning about their lives and their contributions. What are the legacies that the two of you wish to leave?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Uh one of the things that we did in our uh, new book that came out yesterday is we acknowledged the uh, younger dietitians, nutrition therapists who are carrying on the work that you know we have made so available to people because we do realize that you know we won't be here forever, and the more that we can train uh, people to carry it on is, is a legacy in and of itself. So they can't just stop when we're gone.
0: Yeah. I completely agree, and actually, it's something that Lisa and I have talked about—that we are leaving the legacy of of intuitive eating, and how it does change lives and removes the unnecessary suffering, so that people can get connected to their wants and needs, and and be thriving and flourishing in their life, as opposed to just uh, surviving it or surviving the the plan. And and I, th- you know, it's really encouraging, and we see, you know, Lisa was talking earlier about all the trainings we do, but we we have over a, a thousand health. Professionals in 24 countries that have been trained in this. So I see this moving on. And, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's exciting and very gratifying well, to see. Yeah.
2: And I will say something personal. I'm Jewish, and part of my value system as a Jewish person is uh, something called Tikkun alum, which is changing the world. And so mm-hmm. for me personally, this is my piece of being able to heal well it's healing the world not changing but healing the world and so uh that's my you know personal uh insight into it
1: and then i just got chills so that's (laughs) that's lovely to hear that and i i do know that that's an important part of the jewish faith
2: yes that's so
1: so wonderful so people i know are going to want to learn more and i'm so excited to uh, read the new book. I got it in the mail a few weeks ago, and it is on my dresser, ready to go. Tell uh, tell us where we can find the all-new Improved
0: Intuitive Eating. Well, it's at a, 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 a I was gonna say at a bookstore near you. Yeah. <laughs> the, ones that are, the ones that are open, but you can get, there's many, many online places. You know, there's mm-hmm. Barnes and Nobos, there's Amazon, but we also love the independent bookstores. Um, and there's any in particular you really like, Evelyn? Oh my gosh, the one that's that's coming up right now is one. We actually, we're doing an event for uh, it's Auntie's uh, bookstore. But I, I'm I, this, I, at least, do you remember where Auntie's is located?
2: Yes, it's in Seattle thank you Uh, (laughs) i think it's seattle but i know i think it's in in washington for sure (laughs) okay Okay. our washington on our side of the country
1: (laughs) i see i see okay so you'll be doing some traveling
2: no 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 this is all virtual virtual. it's all virtual i see right right
1: got you
0: good good
2: good
1: bookstore all the big ones where do we uh find out more about the two of you and your work
0: well, we've got our, our website, intuitiveeating.org. Uh, but okay. one of the websites I want to mention, because we have a free online support community, the Intuitive Eating Online Community, okay. where it's a free membership. We have over 20,000 people. It's peer-to-peer okay. support, free of of diet culture. And mm-hmm. and usually where people can find me most active, social media-wise, is on Instagram, at, you know, at okay. Evelyn Triboli. So I'll let okay. Elise speak. In yeah, of, and
2: um, each of us also has a personal website. Oh, yeah, Mine I forgot. Is... <laughs> <laughs> so my okay. still, still early yeah. out there okay. yeah right uh mine is okay. and i've got a lot of personal things on that words of wisdom out of all these years and some books i recommend and you know some of the talks and things i've written and so it, it gets it lets people know a little bit more about me personally and i'm sure evelyn's you know uh is equivalent in that way so are uh, you seeing
1: patients online uh either of you or are you doing oh, virtual meetings are. yeah okay that's tricky I, right I mean, that's a oh. whole i don't know if it's new for you but if, i'm all online now because of covid and uh, well, i don't know actually what do you before
2: think? this before this i was doing a lot of uh these sessions for people all over the world and country and uh-huh. so i was i was used to the format but boy it was a big change 3 months ago to take it all home and see my regular clients yeah um, it's intense mm-hmm. isn't it my local yeah. clients i should say and yes it's it's there's a nice piece to it but there's also a loss i'm missing my clients in person i miss that yeah, connection too. that happens when you're in person and i thought well could I go back to the office and see them in a mask and have them have a mask? And I said, no. I mean, that seems uh, so much less personal than actually having them right in front of me on that, you know, on the computer uh-huh. screen. So,
1: yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's been some interesting stuff written about, you know, I, there was an article, uh, why am I so exhausted after these Zoom meetings? And just the different, you know, you're not getting a sense, right? You're not getting a sense of where people are and the subtle body language and eye contact. It's hard to.
2: Well, I think to... there's something else. I was noticing how exhausted I was every night. And then I bought myself something that I'm thrilled with, which is a standing desk. In fact, I'm standing right now. Uh-huh. And um, it has made a huge difference. I'm not saying that I do that all day long. It, c- it can move down and it can move up. It's a nifty thing. And I am so much less exhausted at night because I think in the office, you know, we'd get up, we'd go get oh, our that's clients. That's point, Elise. Bring, Yeah, bring them in. I have uh, my computer in one room, my counseling in the other the room so i was running around all day and now i was just sitting client after client and i thought this is just not feeling good talk to Uh talk about interoceptive awareness my body just was giving me just like
1: crumpled yeah yeah yeah. so i
2: got this about a month ago and it's really changing my life
1: that's great that's great i just wanted to make sure evelyn i got this right intuitive eating online
0: community yes
1: okay and they can and they, they can actually
0: access it through our our website intuitive okay. Org. that might be the most simple way of, of okay. doing it yeah
1: okay well i am so uh grateful for your time elise reich and evelyn uh Triboli, the that you guys started it all you know you uh what a movement you've started uh, you've helped so many people i so appreciate your contribution and such a pleasure getting to speak with both of you today
0: thank you so much
2: oh thank you so much and by the way it's resh
0: <laughs> just resh. So i never told okay. you that before
2: yeah like fresh take off the app. fresh so yes it's been a delight talking with you thank you so much
1: Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out Cope Notes Dot com forward slash Zestful, I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. up. Uh, we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different